0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30, we'll conclude the series, Nothing Compares. And we know that nothing compares with the salvation of God because it's everlasting, it's eternal. Uh, You can have moments of solace on earth, you can have experiences on earth that really have a life-changing impact in that moment. But everything that we do in God and everything that God does in us has an eternal impact. In other words, it will live beyond this life. We will live beyond this life. And so everything about what we are doing today is not just going to have an effect on this moment. It's going to have an effect on our lives, not just ours, but through our children, our children's children. And so the choices that we we make are critical to the outcome and impact, not just of our lives, but other people's. So David is away... 1 Samuel 30 verse 1, three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid in the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. Now just that alone would be enough to dishearten most people. Why even try? You know, we're doing the best we can and bad things are still happening. Any of you been there? You're doing the best you can. You're doing everything you know to do that's right. And difficulty still finds its way to your doorstep or your life or your profession or whatever it might be. And the temptation in these kinds of moments would be, number one, to look to heaven and shake your fist at God. Or just to say, you know, God, you're sovereign. I give up. Neither are an acceptable response neither because we never quit believing because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God and after all the greatest delight in the world is to bring pleasure to the heart of our Creator what we really have to offer God more than anything is obedience you say, "Well, I got a great gift I've got a talent I got a skill whatever it is that's wonderful but that skill, that talent needs to be used in the place of God. In other words, in order for the plan of God to be fulfilled, the will of God must be in operation in our lives. So if I want God, for me, find that and obey that, and then I will intersect with that purpose or that plan. And so David finds himself in this very difficult place as he was somewhat was doing regularly in his life. So anybody that's having a tough time, just remember there was a guy named David who had a heart after God. And he was always messing up. Okay, good. Uh, I can tell you're going, I don't really want to go there. Um, But you do because David gives us hope. And in this situation, he finds himself in another difficult place. It says, three days later when David and the men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid in the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, uh, tells you David was in trouble right there. Well, with one, try to do two, huh? Hello, I mean, this is just not right. <laughs> Two wives. Wow. <laughs> and then one named Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail. They both started with A's. They're type A's. The widow of Nabal from Carmel, where were among those captured. David was now, listen to this, in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, the reason I want... To emphasize this one verse is because each and every one of us will always have people in our lives that will challenge our faith, our Christianity, our peace, our mercy. There'll be people, and in this moment, David had led these people, and how many of you know that people love you when everything's going well, but it's not David's fault that Ziklag was raided. David was just out obeying God and he comes back and finds that these evil people had come in and and plundered their city. And now they're mad at David. And David could have said, time out, Dan, and let me explain it to you. And here's what I found out. People who are mad at you usually don't hear explanations well. (laughs) Don't try to explain to someone who's already mm, off. Fill in the blanks. Because they won't hear you. You can tell them all the excuses and all the reasons and everything. If your wife is mad, shut up until she ain't mad no more. Just let it go. And say, honey, would you allow me to explain now? No, I'm still mad. I gladly wait. Don't be trying to force your opinion, your reasons, your excuses off on somebody when they're mad. So David didn't turn to his men and say, let me explain to you. I'm anointed of God. Samuel came and found me, put his anointing on me. If you don't shut up, I'm going to ask God to smite you. I am the anointed one. He didn't do that. Instead, he turned to God. To Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. And get this, you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. It takes more than a confession to restore the possession that you want. I hear people say I've been praying for 10 years. The problem is you haven't been doing for 10 years. You can pray until Jesus comes back and and things don't happen. So people why didn't God answer prayer? Because look, we wouldn't be sitting here today. If I heard God January 3rd and I could have said I confess I'm going back to Oklahoma City. I confess I'm going to have a church. No. I prayed, I heard, God says, now do. It's the do part that we have problems with. The do part. He didn't say pray about forgiving. He said, forgive, act on it. Praying for money. He didn't say pray for money. He said, give and it'll be given. Stop praying. And start obeying. Because nothing compares with obedience. Nothing compares. Until you are willing to take steps, change ain't going to happen. So if you've been praying about money, stop praying about it. Start obeying the word of God. I'm not taking an offering right now, but this I, the anointing is all over this. So I've been in church work way too long. Please pray, pastor. Please pray. I need a job. When's the last time you gave? Well, I don't. Well, then why somebody online? Y'all cool. Um, some of you didn't even need me to tell you that. He's talking to somebody. You didn't even think I was talking to you, did you? I am. Surely, God didn't say maybe, possibly, it could happen. Surely, recover everything that was taken from you. Then it goes to verse 17. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. That's a long time to fight, folks. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including two wives, his two wives. Isn't that funny that including his two wives? It's like you could have just said everything, but including his two wives. I guess God wanted us to know that David was in love. Okay, so nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back doesn't say God gave everything back. said David brought everything back. The reason I'm preaching this is because oftentimes when there's a movement or a moment like last week... I love moments. I do. I love moments. But the moment is the beginning. Between the moment and the miracle, there's oftentimes a pretty long season. All you got to do is ask Israel. David's anointed by Samuel... 13, 17 years later, I forget, it's one of those two, David then becomes king. So what do we do between the moment and the miracle? See, this is the key. Because some of y'all got a revelation last week of what God wanted to bring back to you. And you got healed and restored and, you know, suicidal thoughts are gone. And all these things began to fall and collapse in your life. Now the fight begins. You think God just come and zap? This is not magic. God is not a magician. He says, I'm now strengthening you like David. You draw strength from the Lord to keep walking the way you need to walk. And to turn that moment into a miracle. You have to turn the moment into a miracle. Israel, leave Egypt. Now if Moses would have given me the travel schedule, I might have stayed in Egypt and gotten three meals a day. I had no idea it was going to take 40 years to get from where I was to where I want to be. And they're murmuring and complaining and whining. And if I'm Moses, I'd just say, God, can we start over? Can we put this baby back in the womb? Do I have to deal with these people? They had a moment and they knew it was God when, when Egypt is dumping gold and silver and everything on them. Just get out of here, man. We can't handle you, Israelites. Ten years, same thing. Twenty years, we're not seeing a thing different. We're still going around the same mountain because I carve, I carve my name on it, MC plus CC, whatever. Remember how you used to do that when you were a kid under the bleachers, carving in the desk, and then you break up the next day. <laughs> how stupid were we? You got a knife and you're you're putting it in your desk, and the teacher gets you get swats for carving in the desk, and then you hate her tomorrow. I'll, I'll get to where I'm going. I promise. I'm not in my notes. I got to figure out where I'm at. But you got to. I, I just want to challenge you because I love moments. I do. I love it when God shows up, and I love it when tears flow, and I I love it when I feel healed. I love all of that. But it's a moment. You have to create a movement that gets you to your miracle. See, God might have released you from depression or caused by your bitterness and unforgiveness towards somebody guess what you got to do now with the joy that you have call them and say forgive me for hating your freaking guts ok you don't have to go that far but you I probably would because I just wanted to know how bad i them now you see what I'm saying See, I've had those moments and I've had the goosebumps and the God bumps and I've had and I love those. They're wonderful. but you can't stop there. You have to walk this out. You have the strength. David could have played the pity card, the position card. I'm the king. Forgive me, woe is me. I didn't know this was going to happen, but David turned to God. It said, now God, this this is messed up. How do I get from this moment to my miracle? What do I do? You got to pull yourself up and say, God, I'm gonna walk it out. Nothing compares with obeying God. Amen. A lot of people say, Well, you know, we're thinking about doing something, but you know, we looked at the pros and cons. I don't, I can't find the words pros and cons in the Bible. God says, well, check out the pros and cons. And if the pros, that way the cons do it. No, it's about faith and obedience, not pros and cons. I don't, Just being honest. I don't know about y'all. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm at peace. But then God says, okay, I want you to, I want you to go back to Oklahoma City. Where your whole life was exposed to the earth. And therein I will be blessed and I will bless you. Like God, can I just disappear? Could we rewrite the script? What am I saying? I'm saying you've got to stand up. God, I had a moment January 3rd that created a movement to come back here. And let me tell you something, the miracles are on their way. As long as I'm on my way to the miracle. Some people say, I'm just just waiting on the Lord. sounds real spiritual. You you ever get around people like that? Just praying three or four hours a day. Waiting on the Lord. And, And you always think they're spiritual giants. People who say, I pray three hours a day. You're a midget. Oh, that's politically incorrect. You're vertically challenged in your faith. If all you're doing is sitting there and praying three hours a day, get up and do something. Now, any apostle of prayer will be mad at me right now. By the way, I've never read about an apostle of prayer in the Bible. Anyway, so... I'm, I don't know what happened. I haven't even had a Red Bull. Maybe that's the problem. All Look... You can't, you can't have forgiveness from others until you forgive. You're not going to be blessed until you're a blessing. You're not going to receive until you give. Quit praying for things that you're not willing to be obedient about. It's the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Not those who pray and fast alone. Faith without works is dead. I never forget, I think it was... Um, was one of these old time preachers and I, I've told you guys this story before but I'll never forget it and uh, Shambach, some of y'all are way too young to know Shambach but he was brutal guy came up and said give this young man a job with long hours hot and sweaty and dirty God, help this young man <laughs> young man said stop, stop, stop Sandbox said, you didn't get specific. (laughs) Know in order to go. There's a distance between your moment and your mirror. Know where you're going. God is your goal every day. God is my goal every day. People say, what's your goal for the church? God is my goal for the church. No, no, I mean, how many people do you want? God is how many people I want. Because inside God is all the people he wants, not all the people I want. Because there's some people y'all need to be praying out of your life, not into your life. Yeah. For instance, if if you're not a notorious sinner, you're going to hate Mosaic Church OKC. (laughs) If you're just not a notorious sinner and you're just, you're really good... I can send you some churches that you need to go to because you ain't going to like it here. (laughs) We allow access into our soul. Uh, we, We grant people access into our soul that we should never allow into our soul. So when somebody says something like, with all due respect, I'm getting ready to knock you on your... Or when somebody says, can I tell you something? My response is no. <laughs> to be prefaced with, can I tell you something? It's not good. It's like I'm going to blast you, and but I want to soften it right before I hit you in the gut and knock the wind out of you. No. No. Some of y'all have people call and say, can I come over? Just say no. <laughs> hey, I'm just calling. Can I come over? They're not really asking, they're warning. That's a warning. So just say no. You'll freak them out. You got a minute? No, I don't. I'm just trying to help you with life here. So much of disobedience is the result of answering those questions wrong. we get off course. Can I talk to you? Can I? Uh, uh, uh. You know, you have the right to obey the Lord. We're correct. The, the, the reason I say this is because David could have been distracted by the men wanting to satisfy their criticism or their, you know, all of that and chose not to. Okay. So you, you have to make sure that. Access is not granted, carte blanche, just into your life and your world, first off. Greatness is not the result of a multitude of people around you, but God being the goal in you. Now, the first thing that you have to do, and this is what David did, is agree with God's plan. If you're going to ask God about something, then be ready to agree with God. Okay? So... If I ask God, God forgive me, then God's probably going to say, Oh, and there are five people you need to forgive. Hold it. Then stop praying if you're not willing to do it. God bless me financially. Stop praying if you're not willing to give. Stop asking for forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive. That's what the Bible says. These are things. Obedience, nothing compares with painful obedience. Because it is painful. Every kid that you and I have and every one of them that we've raised, I mean... They're just born sinners, and they're going to behave as soon as they can. They're just waiting on the opportunity. God gives most of us 10 to 12 months before all hell breaks loose. It's when they start walking. Don't touch that. Really? What are you going to do? Oh, it's cute. I'm going to count to three. They don't even know what three is. Are you serious? One, two, three. You expect them to obey when they can't count? It's not even fair. Just go ahead and deal with them. One, two. Then then before long, by the time they're 16, you're counting to 80. I'm going to count to 80. And you better be home by midnight. I'm counting to 80. So... I don't know how many of you got the newest iOS 10 update. <laughs> you know, I just get used. To, I just get. I just. I just adjusted to nine. <sighs> I understood nine, and now it's like they force you to do ten because your life's miserable. Everybody's doing it. Oh, this is so cool, you know. And and so you, you if you're going to download it, okay. So you, you go to settings because some of y'all haven't done it yet. You you're still on iOS half. <laughs> so you my phone would do that if I had 10 more updates? Yeah, it would, really. And so iOS 10, So here, and here's what it says. So then it says, in order for the download to start, guess what you have to do? It's really not, not rocket science. No, no, not install. Close. Oh, no winners yet. You have to agree. Now, have you read... The document that you're supposed to agree with? No. Nobody in here has. One guy at 9.30 said he did, and I looked at his wife, and I said, I can't help you. You have to push agree, or else it won't install. Guess what? Some of you all have been praying. You haven't read, and you haven't agreed. You just overlooked it, and you keep going, why don't you install And you just, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. All you have to do is agree. Jesus said, if any two of you agree on earth is touching anything, I would do it. But agreement takes action. You you, you have to push the agreement. You have to walk out the agreement. If God... That means I agree that I will forgive and I'm going to push that and I agree and God's going to hold you to that because now you know. The very first thing in the will of God happening is agreeing that God's word is true and obeying that word. And if you're waiting on a feeling to forgive, let me know how that's working out for you. You see... God has an incredible supply in heaven. God, there's no shortage. He's, he's God, a God of more than enough, not the God of just enough. And so what happens is that we don't typically, in our actions or our faith, exercise enough to get all that God has. When he told David, yes, go, everything. Most mindsets are, with just enough instead of going all the way to the promise. He said, you know, this is a good place. And the Bible says he settled there. Until we know the fullness of God and all that God wants us to recover, we will settle for the little bit. I'm going to live like I'm going to have it all back and then some. First 42 days of my dark journey beginning... April 29th, after April 26th was D-Day, April 29th, I began to read the book of Job. People said, why aren't you reading the Psalms? Because God said, read Job. Well, that just doesn't seem, because I ain't taking your case before him. And I'm, I think the reason I was reading Job, I see Job going through this, all this, and I told a couple of pastors this when I was going through it, and they, the comment was, well, but Job was innocent. No, Job was sinner. Yeah, he was a sinner because it was after Adam and Eve, and everybody after Adam and Eve is a sinner. You know that? Just thought I'd inform you. Okay, so it may have, Job's situation may not have been connected to a particular specific sin, but he was playing God. It said after his kids were partying and reveling, Job would always go over to their house. So Job was trying to play God. He's Boils—he's he, he's got he's got boils all. Of it. And it, can you just I don't know about you, but that just kind of gets all over sitting around with clay scraping. That's a facial. Yeah, Come on in. We've got you covered. Um, and so Job, is. his friends are critical of him. His wife says, curse God and die. Guess what happens? Job says, I, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Job said, I will obey God because nothing compares to obedience to God. I'm going to obey God. Some of y'all, you don't want to be here. You're just obeying God and putting up with me. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, so... I get it. I mean, I didn't want to be in Oklahoma City, but I'm obeying God and I'm loving it. Kind of. Um, really am. Problem is, we don't put enough demand on God. Or, for those of you who really, that bothers you, we don't put enough demand on God's promises. David, he told surely he wanted David to know... It's all coming back. Don't settle for less. You go through every tent. You go through every desolate place. Whatever it takes, I want you to have it all back. David could have easily said, no, we'll just get our children we'll be done. We'll just just get apart. We we, we don't need much. You ever heard anybody say that? We really don't need much. Guess what? You can't get an abundance. You need over. I'll tell you right now, I want to be so loaded that somebody comes up and says, you know, I don't have a car. What do you want? You say, that's ridiculous. Is it really? Is it really ridiculous? I don't think so. I think that we don't believe for more than enough because we wouldn't know what to do if we had more than enough. Barnes, I spent the day with Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, just not long before he, at his home in Florida. Bill Bright looked at me most humble man I'd ever met. And, and he just, I'm so humble that y'all were here. And I'm thinking, I looked at him and said, why am I here? You, I'll never touch a tenth of the world that you touched. And he said, let me just tell you what, how we operate here. I still to this day cannot believe he said this. He said, Mark, at the end of every day, campus crusade for Christ is broke. We spend it all every day. And we believe God tomorrow to provide for that day. Brilliant man. And I'm thinking, how can you be that brilliant? We're told, we got Dave Ramsey. We got Larry Burkett. You can't operate this way. What he was saying is, my goal is God. Obedience to God and winning people to God. Challenge me. But every day. If you go home and read, Google Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, it'll blow your mind. He agreed with God's plan. But in order for God's plan to come true, God's will has to be operating in our lives. We have to agree. Malachi 3.10, everybody can quote it, and, and many people are sick of it, and, and you forget it, but the reason I'm reading this is because it's one of the places in the Bible that God says the words, try me or prove me. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. He said, bring it, bring it, You, can, I promise, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to contain it. Forgive, love never fails. I'm going to tell you something that I believe is going to change everything for our world. If I were to ask you today, what's the opposite of love? Most of you would say hate. That's not true. The opposite of love is fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Let me tell you why we have tension in this world because we're scared, all of us. I'm scared that somebody looks different than me, dresses different than me, acts different than me. And as a result of that fear produced by a lack of love, hate Hate is the child of fear because of a lack of love. And if we can agree with the Word of God and we can love, 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 fear will have no power and authority in our world and hate will be buried. That's the bonus on this CD. Agree that it will work for you and not just others. David agreed it would work for him. He agreed it would work. Our actions are an expression of our agreement. My actions will tell people more than my words will ever tell them. Accept the recovery and the return. Let me tell you why this is important. There are those of us that have pride. And pride will keep us from blessing. In the 80s and 90s, I was preparing to run across America. 1990, 98 days, I ran across America for the unborn. I trained about seven months prior. 1989, July of 1990, I ran 3,000 miles. 17 miles a day, 28 miles, 42 miles, all in obedience to God. Just to simply say, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to raise money for the unborn, and I did. At the end of the run, the Run for Life board came to me, and we had raised all this money, and they said, what do you want to do? I said, give it all away. They said, what are you going to live on? I'm not sure I gave the right answer, (laughs) but I said, give it all away. And they did. And during that season, there was a guy named Doug Fears. Doug Fears was an executive at Helmrick and Payne in Tulsa, big oil company. Doug Fears knew, Doug Fears knew about the run. He'd gone, was going to the church I was attending at the time. And I grew up in a very John Wayne home, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, type guy. My dad never asked for anything, told us to never ask for anything. But when you don't ask for anything, it's often pride as well. And so we were taught, don't ask for anything. So this guy calls and finds out, gets my number from the pastor. and calls me and says, hey, Mark, you and I, I got some clothes I'd like to give you. You've got to understand, i would just given all the money away. And, and I remember him coming, and, and he did this over time, and it, it was killing me. I had never received anything like this. I mean, this was top-of-the-line stuff, and, and my pride was killing me because I wanted God to give me the money to go buy my own thing. That way I could say, i make my own money, i made my own way. And God said, no. It was during that time I learned to receive. Accept the recovery, accept it. So here's what I'm saying. God has often brought stuff before you that you didn't know was God because pride stood between you and receiving that. Now, I'm not telling you to go up to somebody I'll never forget. Brother Osteen told me, he called me one time. He said, this guy came up to me and said, said, Brother Osteen, Joel's daddy, said, God told me to tell you that you're supposed to give me your car. I'm just doing this so that you'll know how not to make this happen. And Brother Osteen's great reply was, he said, I'll tell you what, sir, when God tells me, I'll do it. So don't be coming up asking. Anyway, so... See, false humility, pride, guilt, shame, those are the enemies of recovery and restoration. And uh, those are things that will keep you from the place that, that God has you. For me, being back here is a part of that restoration recovery process. It really is. Um, I moved into a downtown apartment April 2014. At that time, one member of my family was talking to me, only one, that was my daughter, oldest daughter. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be having panic attacks. I'd lost everything, I'd lost everybody. I'd lost respect, I'd lost reputation and now I'm losing my mind. And one particular night, I was sure I was going to die, so I went to the door of the apartment complex. I unlocked it, and I thought, if I die, somebody will be able to just walk right in and find me. They won't have to turn the knob on the door. They'll just know it's unlocked so we can walk in. Walked in the kitchen, grabbed the bar with both hands, and prepared to die. And it was in that moment that God said, now I got you. That was a turning point. The worst point, turning point, to accept the recovery of God. That was the beginning, and and I thought, okay, great, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna. I am going i did not call an ambulance only for one reason, because I thought it gonna work for me, man. <laughs> People walking around, I'd be like, ah, ah, ah. Anyway, so <laughs> that's the only reason. But it was that moment, that moment that started working toward the miracle. Saying, God, in your presence is fullness of joy. Be present in this moment so that joy can come back to my life. It's been two and a half years, gang. Let me tell you something. Two and a half years. There were days I wanted to disappear. I called Bill Wilson in New York City. About a year ago, some of you know Bill, largest Sunday school in the world. 30,000 kids are ministered to every week in New York City. I was having one of those days where I just thought, God, I don't want to die, but I do want to disappear. I just want to disappear. Could I just go away? I won't bother anybody. I'll knock on doors, I'll visit kids. I'll just be a part of the team and I will disappear into the landscape of New York City. So I called Bill and I said, can I come? Do you have a place I can sleep? Well, you you know, you can sleep on the, the floor. If you've ever heard Bill Wilson, you know, he has no voice. I Bill, I reach kids, and you adults are slime. No, he is my dear friend. And so the open door was to come. And once again, I had to go back to a moment to get to the miracle. It's been a long journey. It's been a long journey. Not being able to tell people the truth, I never wanted to leave. I went through a full restoration for a year, hoping to be restored and reinstated, and it didn't happen. And at that point again, I was tempted to get bitter. God, I did everything you asked me to do. I did everything my wife asked me to do, and end ended up getting divorced. I mean, there's no way a guy like me should be standing here. There's just no way except God. of last year I got the phone call that I was being divorced and I thought God certainly you don't use guys who had affairs and divorce this is a double whammy and I just thought you know what God I'm never going to hide shame and guilt will not have my destiny and you know what you got to know who I am and I have any perfect people here it's really awesome and you know, no church does i know that but and i'm not boasting but i am saying you know it's really time i think it's just really time for authenticity transparency vulnerability and that i only share this with you because i want you to understand that this will forever be a part of my journey and i will never stop talking about it because it glorifies god knowing not going on you Some of you quit going to the same grocery store because your ex goes there or somebody goes there and you drive an extra 10 miles. Go to that grocery store, sit outside there and wait for them to show up and walk in with them. What are you doing? Obeying God? What's he want you to do? I'm not telling you. I'm just present. Because the temptation is to keep you bound by shame and guilt the rest of your life. And that will get you nowhere but isolated, lonely, depressed, and vulnerable to the demonic attack of Satan. I don't know why God has me here, but I'm sure happy to be here. I'm glad you all show up to watch me throw up. <laughs> and so anyway. <laughs> then lastly, act like you expected God to perform. David acted like ain't nothing. God said he'd do it, he's going to do it. Act like it. Don't ever say that God is an incredible God again because he's not. He is a credible God. Not an incredible God. Fully credible. You can believe everything he says. That's credibility. God is a credible God. Somebody comes and says, man, you you have an incredible God. No, 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 I have a credible God. He's very credible, reputable. He's an awesome God. David knew how credible God was. And throughout his life, he experienced the credibleness of God. And the way he did it was he obeyed the Lord. He just simply obeyed the Lord. Nothing compares to obedience. Nothing. And I mean that. I mean, seriously, I know. I know that people are watching me. Some people are waiting and hoping I will fail. And I'm sorry for that. Some of you are waiting and hoping that we we testify of the greatness of God. And I hope we do that. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Never stop telling your testimony. Never. I'll never stop. I prayed about this. God, how often do I mention... And when I use the, the word affair, it's, it's, it, I have to overcome my mind. Uh, every time I say that, it, it, it so is not me, but it is a part of me and my story, and it will forever be a part of my story. But greater is God in me than the story that is before me. don't be ashamed of your story because that story your story your commitment to continue to obey the Lord and follow him is an encouragement to people who are hiding behind their story or hiding their story within and I'm not saying be stupid and not you know I, I really try my best to share my story with great discretion to not disparage anyone because that's not what it's about but I am here to tell you that if you would have told me, a year ago that I would be standing here today I would have called you a liar I would have said number one I'm not going back and I would have had all the flowery reasons not to well, I don't want to hurt anybody else I just we always make excuses I just finally said you know what I think the best thing we can do is just simply obey God God is our goal let him be your goal Let's bow our heads, if you would, and close your eyes. And there may be those of you here that last week began a moment for you. It was a moment. It was a great moment. And I heard wonderful stories and testimonies of what God did in that moment. But I do want to ask you this. What have you done with that moment in the last seven days? What do you plan to do with that moment? Some of you, you got free. You you forgave your mom. You forgave your dad. You forgave your boss. You let somebody go. You're, and you're all happy about it. But did you get on the phone and call them? Because until you do, it's going to come back and it's going to, it's going to be worse when it comes back. Do something with that moment. Do something. That moment is a vehicle to your miracle. But you've got to do something. You've heard That all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have a moment today with God by calling upon His name. You can have a moment which will be the beginning of you living a life of miracles. If you're not a Christian today, you say, Mark, I am not a follower of Christ. But today I want this to be a moment in my life. I want it to mark a moment in my life that I'm going to serve the Lord. If that's you and you've not done that, heads bowed, eyes closed, it's not a show. And you say, Mark, I want to do that today. I want to ask you to lift your hands up right now and say, that's me. Anyone in here, say, that's me. I just want to do that. There's no one we're going to pray. Thank you. With No one we're going to pray. Let's all pray this together. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, today, I repent of my sin and I give you my life. Amen.